welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined as ever by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm here this week to talk about Children of the Corn 2, arguably the greatest horror sequel of all time, if you are arguing with an idiot. It's shit, (laughs) but fun. If you are an idiot. If you are an idiot, not if you're arguing with an idiot. (laughs) Oh yeah, that too. Well, who knows? (laughs) We'll find out on the next episode of the Arrow Video Podcast. Play the theme music now. I've already done that. Okay, so Dan, let's get this out of the way first. You... (laughs) Fucking hell. This is clearly my choice for this fortnight because you haven't watched it. (laughs) <laughs> Though you have watched it many times in the past, so we're going to be okay. I've seen it many times. Yeah, this is a, a double record. We recorded this immediately after Henry, and so that episode ended with the revelation that Dan watched the wrong film. He watched Children of the Corn One instead of the requested Children of the Corn Two. Uh, Dan, <gasps> what is the plot of Children of the Corn Two? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so after the events of Children of the Corn 1, and this is all from memory. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Hell. Okay, right. So let's see if we can do this. After the events of Children of the Corn 1, the uh, like a load of news people turn up uh, at the town where all the adults were killed and were like, oh, this is fine, I guess. And then there's a lady on a bike who warns everyone that the kids are evil, but they don't worry about that. And the kids are taken away and rehomed, maybe. And then there's a guy traveling across the country with his son. And he's a news reporter. And everyone thinks he's a knob because he either made up a story or worked for an unreliable news station. I don't remember. So he's got to try and like win back the trust of his son by being good at news. So he thinks that this story about the killer kids is going to be like a really good news story. And that will help him win back the trust of his son by being the best at news and then they proceed to be very bad at news for quite a while there's a bunch of changes to the mythology in the first one whereas he who lurks behind the rose was just some like red video static in the first picture now the corn itself can attack people Mm -hmm. evil dead style and there's like people being impaled with corn stalks and having their throats cut with corn i remember that bit that was cool and i I think we may have started to drift into the spoiler zone in this this how does it end plot description (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah children of the corn too incredible incredible oh yeah the the main the main thing the main thing that i take away from children of the corn 2 which i love Mm -hmm. and which they criminally underutilize is that there's some kind of weird like corn uh spiracy going on (laughs) where like there's a bunch of rotten corn and for a little while it looks like maybe that the he that walks behind the rose is actually a figment of imagination generated by ergot poisoning yeah um sam made a joke last time about ergot what's the what's the award it's emmy emmy grammy oscar tony egot okay quad quad factor yeah egot so ergot rather than egot and i'm obviously going to have to change some of my recommendations to factor in fields in england now uh, <laughs> ergot is uh, one of the first like potent hallucinogens available in europe before all of the like the cubensis stuff that is now like very popular over here but really is more connected with south america uh, culturally came over back in europe we loved a bit of ergot which is a parasitic fungus that grows on grain 
and causes massive sickness and crazy fucking hallucinations and there's loads of theories about like sort of witchery and all this kind of stuff and early forms of uh, like pagan religion in europe all being related to ergot which is a black fungus that grows on grain and there's a brief moment in in this movie where they talk about maybe like they talk about a fungus on the grain and i'm like oh yeah fucking give me that ergot horror i'm well into it and now they just fuck it off they don't they don't deal with that <laughs> yeah. it's just that someone's gonna like stir in the shit grain with new grain and and like sell it and make some money on grain they would not have otherwise been able to sell and that's how people are being poisoned with it yeah and but it doesn't lead anywhere yeah you've actually just pitched a better sequel than the one that we actually or well i actually watched because yeah you could really tie in some of your interest down about religion and you know religious mania and all that kind of stuff basically being a hallucination like a mass hallucination yeah. brought on by dodgy corn actually interestingly yesterday one of the kids here accidentally sat on his dinner which was corn uh it involved corn and rather than have the corn go to waste i thought well i'll just eat it he only sat on it for a, for a second and i've had a really bad stomach ever since so i have i too <laughs> have been poisoned by corn it sounds like you've been poisoned by butts <laughs> oh god my my nemesis uh <laughs> yeah. my mortal enemy oh, if it isn't butts <laughs> but my old nemesis but anyway <laughs> there's a good chance all of that's going to be cut so uh i'm gonna just say Keep that that's fucking gold yeah yeah much like corn uh, so, yeah, I am going to say that my choice this week is kind of a legitimately bad movie on the surface, but it is a fun one. And from the opening, which is trying to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but feels more like a ghost train um, right up until the weird third act. There is some cool stuff in here. And, and Bob Keane of Hellraiser fame does the practical effects there's some fantastic yeah, kills there's some good stuff in there uh yeah. i love the church scene which has lovely gore the the nosebleed stuff and the bingo scene which definitely doesn't have lovely yeah. gore um it, it has a, a mannequin being thrown through a window um <laughs> but it's all entertaining i'm not gonna really go into too much detail on this one especially as dan's basically summarized the whole thing in four minutes or less uh even though he hasn't watched it that is worthy of a podcasting I haven't award it for some years <laughs> yeah yeah that's worthy of a podcasting award right there dan you should be very proud and i think I, it's a, I... a little insight into how little preparation you actually do for this podcast i watched i watched all of the fucking extras on the old 88 films release of children of the corn because my disc didn't turn <laughs> yeah no i'm not actually criticizing the preparation you did do i'm saying that I could not tell the difference between you talking about a film that you have watched for this podcast <laughs> and a film you haven't watched. I will I will thank you to acknowledge that that is just my weird ability to recall bad films yeah, no, I... rather than an indictment of how little work I yes. genuinely put in. Yes, no, no, I and, and precious arrowheads, I am I am very much teasing my friend here and, and this is not meant as a reflection of his uh, attitude to this podcast as a whole. I'm just, I'm teasing you because I'm impressed, Dan. That was pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this film... As Dan said, features death by corn on the cob. There's more than one reference to the <gasps> Wizard of Oz. 
and so much elder abuse you'd be forgiven for thinking it was directed by red letter media it is terrible but for me more fun than the original and more competent let's say than part three but part three is special effects by the end so yeah well screaming mad george does the effects for number three uh, Children of the Corn, Urban Harvest, which I can do a similar potted recap of. Well, why, why, just for fun, why don't you? I'd like to hear that, please. So, uh, two remaining children, one of whom later turns out to have been adopted into the family, are uh, put up for adoption and moved to Chicago, <laughs> where they are very disappointed to find out that their adoptive father doesn't grow corn, but in fact works on the stock market in corn commodities. <laughs> They then start secretly growing corn, like like all pesky teenagers, uh, <laughs> in an abandoned warehouse. Uh, he tries their corn and is like, fuck me, this is the best corn I've ever had. I have to alert the stock market. Um, and by the time he finds out that it's evil devil corn, incidentally, there's like a load of, there's another shift in the like supernatural abilities of the corn mm-hmm. uh, in this one as well. So it goes from just being like, preambulatory corn in number two where it can like you know it can use its corn stalks to slash people up and stuff to turning into a full-on corn beast by the end like it's all tentacles and corn Mm. and just craziness and it is throwing some proper mannequins around yeah but there's this there's this whole bit where they have to like fit into school and it, it it's like a sort of like a weird trauma john hughes movie for a little bit where they're all like no we're super religious actually thank you very fucking much you don't need to talk to us other children and then there's like a division between the corn boys uh, as i have decided to call them <laughs> uh, where one of them is like i like chicago i'm gonna be friends with these kids and the other one's like but what about my wide-brimmed hat uh, <laughs> uh yeah and then it just all goes fucking apeshit and a big corn monster smashes up a warehouse and and then i think at the end of number three i'm definitely spoiling number three sorry i think at the end of number three you get like that it's not after the credits but like the oh the story's over now and then it's like wah, wah, here's a crate of evil corn and it's going to japan or india or somewhere and then yeah and, that, and that, that's the that's the proposed is there a number four i haven't seen number four. Oh, there's before. i think or there's I like remember. nine uh, there's loads oh, of these fucking hell. films there's at least nine i don't think i've seen past three and you know what no i've definitely seen four can i can i summarize four (laughs) (laughs) considering that you you didn't remember that existed i i I would like to hear this yeah (laughs) (laughs) i I don't i know i don't remember enough about four to 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 do it i definitely i watched one to four i re-watched one to four while we were filming the other side of the door and i watched them all in india and that was a weird experience because I spent most of my time in India African queening it because I was terrified about getting food poisoning and not being able to do my job. So I just drank gin. Well, sorry, Fox. There are actually 11 children of the corn films. Does that include remakes and reboots? I think that, that I like think that includes I, uh, that, okay. that includes remakes and reboots. Yeah, but um, okay. I think it goes up to six, seven, eight nine in the main series so i was right there and then there's wow, a couple of crazy. extra ones with children of the corner as a title so yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll watch all of them yeah i mean 
you might have some time on your hands, but we'll we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, I've got so much time on my hands. But yeah, I, I've got a quick recommendation in relation to Urban Harvest and applause, by the way, for that summation. Absolutely brilliant. There is an episode of Shay's podcast, Movie Melt, where Shay actually does the breakdown of Urban Harvest. She's a big fan of that film. So if you want to listen to a two-hour podcast on Children of the Corn 3, then head over to Movie Melt after you finish listening to this. Um, but before you do that, I would like to talk a little bit about the extras for Children of the Corn 2. And perhaps you can talk about the extras for Children of Corn 1, Dan, because you did... From a different so, label. ...so much prep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's a, a new commentary with a, a Stephen King expert and the film's director, David Price. It's slightly tricky to listen to. I had hoped to talk to you about this, Dan, because this commentary was recorded during the pandemic, uh, apparently using a potato as a mic and a tin can as a laptop. But it is worth persevering through. It will take you a little time to bed in and get used to the, the sound quality. But once you move past that... Um, the director David is interesting and honest and uh, there's some gems here um, for me it was fascinating to learn that this was made at exactly the same time as Hellraiser 2 by the same company so Children of the Corn 2 uses some of that production's leftover effects which I found quite uh, amusing there's also some fun interviews but surely yeah. was Hellraiser 2 not made in England for whatever reason they ship stuff back and forth I mean, I guess, yeah, 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 it was Bob, I suppose. Yeah. And, and Bob's not, B- Bob will save a Bob, so... There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. There's some fun new interviews. I love the chat with Ryan Bowman, who's a man who looks like he's seen the inside of a horror convention or two. Lovely dude, a true fan of the genre, and his passion is really engaging. He plays the goth villain kid, in the movie the main villain and it's really great to get his perspective it's really sweet to hear how excited he was when he got the part and it helps to remind people that even the cheesiest corniest haha movies uh have people who are trying their best ryan watched the shining over and over again he read books on serial killers dan this is a man who does his preparation this is a man who sees the task at hand and just make sure that he does everything in his power to be prepared for it. Well, on that note, let me tell you about <laughs> a lovely thing that I noticed for the first time while rewatching Children of the Corn. Oh, th- thank you, Anchor Bay DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 101. The- oh, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Arrow, Arrow's... Well, I think it's because we're on a postal strike. In the- There's a postal strike exactly. in the UK, which I entirely support. As much as it frustrates me, I do not blame the uh, the workers. It is the fault of the government. Everything is terrible. Rise up, people. We need to revolt. But that aside, I was touched by the uh, what I had previously just dismissed as a very awkward scene with Linda Hamilton <laughs> singing and dancing oh, yes. to her husband as she tries to encourage him to have a child. Yes. Um, uh, I realised that the lyrics of the song were ostensibly about that moment where you leave childhood and become an adult. Oh, that's uh, very nice. And, yeah. and that's a really nice little, like, sort of motif from within the film, given that, you know, it, it's a sort of Logan, it's a horror Logan's run, ostensibly, this uh, this franchise, where when you get to 18, 19, you're, uh, you're sacrificed to he who walks behind the rose. 
because uh, for some reason he only likes children, which I guess is uh, like a reference to virgin sacrifice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I think the first film's pretty well considered, and then the second one, as you said, like feels like a sort of a weird cash grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one has an incredible soundtrack, which I yeah. think is probably the most quintessentially Stephen King soundtrack of all the Stephen King films felt very much like, oh, well, this is just the Pet Cemetery soundtrack recycled. Oh, no, this is way before Pet Cemetery. Okay. Like, there's a lot about it that feels very, like, sort of archetypal for, for King. Um, and it's a it's a flawed film, and it doesn't have an ending, the first film, I mean. Yeah. Or the second film, or the third film. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but it has a it has a lot to it has a lot to recommend it, and I and I do genuinely enjoy number two as well. Like it's a cheese fest, but it's got some real fun in it. Yeah, I I think that's why I wanted to do two because like one is really solid, three is absolutely ridiculous, two is kind of in the middle. But I would recommend this box set as a purchase as an overall oh, yeah. buy. There's a couple more extras that I just want to quickly touch on. It's it's mostly interviews, but there's a really great interview with the no-nonsense cinematographer Levi Isaacs which is relatively short but rewarding and his connection to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, which I won't spoil is pretty astonishing especially in the context of the opening of this movie so yes if that opening did remind you of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as it did me you will be very surprised to hear about Levi's involvement in that original film there's also an interview with the screenwriter A.L. Katz which may annoy diehard fans because he's the kind of dude who would say that he doesn't make horror movies he makes thrillers but not that he actually says that in the interview but you know that type of creator that kind of likes to distance themselves um, from the old horror genre horror movies he makes bad horror movies (laughs) But there is a self-effacing honesty here that's engaging. I, I would definitely recommend watching that interview as well. Um, yeah, so I guess let's wrap it up because kind of the main reason I picked this one as well is because we were going to talk about the effects. We were going to talk about like all the weird little... I can, I can, like I remember all the effects. Like we can talk about the effects. Yeah, so, so yes, talk me through uh, your memories of those effects and how you feel about them kind of uh, is... today. So number number two from memory, number two is the one where they escape an abusive parent or uncle or something at the beginning, and he gets kind of turned into like a mutant scarecrow by the corn for them. Uh, uh, no, is that number two or is that number three? I think that's number three. Ah, bollocks. Okay. Um, well, we'll cut that. We'll cut that. No, no, you can leave that in. Okay. I don't mind. Like I'm, everyone knows, I'm, gr- I'm grasping at straws. Ha ha. What else? What else was there? Uh, we've talked about the th- the throat cutting, which is great. Like corn is the bluntest instrument, <laughs> so, you, so to use it to cut a throat is great. It is the only it's it's the second silliest corn murder after Sleepwalkers. Corn of the cob through the heart. There you go, and um, and yeah, I guess like for me, the standout kind of gore sequence in this is that church scene with the nosebleed that just goes yeah. on and on and on. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, it's nice. I like you know, I love a blood rig. It's it's not the most visceral, but it's a it's a fun gag and it, it definitely uh it definitely keeps delivering. Well, all right, we are gonna move on to recommendations based on this film, I think. So I'm gonna go first because it gives Dan a chance to reshuffle his order a little bit. I'm not. I'm not gonna I'm just gonna recommend <laughs> the films I was gonna recommend. Fan- so you can all get fucked. Fantastic. <laughs> um so f- <laughs> for me, uh I'm gonna open with Sinister Two 
If you like creepy kids, churches and cornfields, you can't go far wrong with Sinister 2, which has all of those things and some cool kills. It is underrated. It's nowhere near as bad as the backlash to it. I think people, you know, Sinister is kind of a mainstream, well-respected horror film. Uh, I think there's it's some, a great some movie, yeah. really, really yeah exactly it deserves its reputation for sure and so sinister 2 being kind of the equivalent to children of the corn 2 where they just made another one i think it's entertaining within that kind of constriction so i enjoyed sinister 2 but then i also enjoyed children of the corn 2 so make of that what you will that is my recommendation dan what's your recommendation based on children of the corn Two. Based on Children of the Corn 2, what if there was a person who owned a car who had to deal with some difficult children and it was all written by Stephen King? Oh. Yes, that's right. It's 1991. Tom McLaughlin's epic, Sometimes They Come Back. Yeah. Sometimes They Come Back is an oft-overlooked, slightly above-mediocre Stephen King TV movie which focuses all of Stephen King's favourite things. And by that I mean violent children and the 50s it's one of those ones that i watched when i was just going through all of the stephen king stuff it's probably a solid five on imdb i don't know what the rating is but olive films put out on blu-ray i don't know who they are actually no i do i recommended olive films blue a little while ago but anyway and it's various uh, streaming services although actually i don't think it's on any of the main streaming services like it's on apple or you can buy it on youtube or something mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's a, a a guy being haunted by 50s greasers who died in his hometown i think it's been a while since i've seen it but it's it's really fun it's 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 the kitschy end of king in the same way that mm-hmm. uh that children the, the children of the corn franchise is don't ask too many questions sit back enjoy the the stephen kingness of it all obviously the big difference between uh, children of the corn and sometimes they come back is that sometimes they come back is set in king's mainstay of maine Yes. Hey, nice, nice, nice. Hey. I, in my notes here, I've I've got. Uh, I'm not saying you should get this box set over, say, the Human Condition, but Stephen King heads. It's better than the Langoliers, but not as good as Sleepwalkers. And I think that's a perfect description of uh, sometimes they come back. So, uh, is it better than the Langoliers? I'd say the Langoliers has similarly, like quality-wise, has similar CGI to the first. <laughs> y- yeah. Uh, the... They're making they're they're making a lot of use of a, a color filter and some static in both Langoliers and the Children of the Corn franchise. Yeah, well, Dan, the Langoliers don't know if you remember it, but it is five days long in terms of the running time, and it yep. features a character saying, "Not the Rice Krispies, the Rice Krispies are back." When the entity starts to return, so that's the second the second worst name for a monster in a Stephen King front uh, Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, that's true. After uh, that, the ass blasters. Yeah, and it, from... there we go. So my next recommendation is another hardcore corno movie. It is Troll Two. It features a dire dad performance. It's on a par with this film's effort. I don't know if you remember that performance, Dan, but it's fucking awful. As well as the greatest popcorn sequence in cinema history. You don't need me to tell you about Troll 2, so I won't piss on hospitality by going on about it. Troll 2, it's a cornucopia of delights. I recommend it. Dan, what's next from you? 
Uh, I just so you know, whenever you talk about well, anyone talks about like popcorn and horror, all I remember is a Sergio Gomez comic, little comic strip from Mad Magazine, where a guy eats a load of popcorn kernels, wraps himself in an electric blanket, and gets into a lift to commit suicide. Oh wow! Sweet Jesus! <laughs> that... that all the popcorn pops and then the lift collapses and he falls. Yeah, under. no, I get it. I get it. That's uh, that's yeah. that's impressive. Pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> all right well <laughs> that's your that's your recommendation based on children in the corn that's, too that's is my it? recommendation no so i was i was struggling because like obviously the like a i was going for the first children of the corn and actually my my first in, instinct was to recommend children of the corn three but i figure that anyone who's bought this issue already has that so that's not uh, a good recommendation but actually the where my brain went was the that one of those movies you know how there are like stalwarts that we just come back to time and time again mm-hmm. and obviously one of them is who could kill a child which is i would say the gold standard of evil children movie movies which i love so much so i, I was like no i'm not doing that let's do different creepy kids movie uh and and actually i settled on and again i think i've probably mentioned it before but uh from 1986 it's uh carlos enrique taboada poison for the fairies oh which yeah is uh, such a fucking great film mm. ostensibly it's about the friendship between two young girls at a, a school uh, in mexico uh, one of whom claims to be a witch and like the children of the corn franchise it it features a sort of charismatic almost like quasi religious leader drawing in the minds of a of another susceptible youth uh, in this instance it's a one on one relationship rather than this like creepy sort of like amish esque child in a big hat seducing all the other kids I, I think i read a review of the children of the corn franchise which said they put an enormous amount of weight on the ability of a child in a waistcoat and a big hat to tell other children what to do <laughs> Um, whereas Poison of the Fairies is a much more like sort of languid affair with a with with the friendship between these two young girls unraveling as as or unfurling I, sh- I should say as one of them convinces the other one that she is a witch and that they should get up to witchy shit together. It's very hard to track down as far as I'm aware. There's no official English language release. I strongly recommend hunting it down in whatever form you can. Uh, it's an absolute delight. Fantastic. You're going to watch a lot of strange stuff off the back of Children of the Corn 2 if you haven't seen any of the things that we've recommended this fortnight. Jesus Christ. Going from Troll 2 to Poison for the Fairies is going to be kind of an intense journey. But let's add to that list of films that you have to watch based on this episode with recommendations based on the past couple of weeks. Dan, I'm going to go first with The Mean Season. Now, The Mean Season is a mid-80s serial killer thriller starring Kurt Russell, a man who has literally never given a bad performance in his entire life. Kurt Russell is a genius. He's always watchable. He's always great. And he plays a journalist in The Mean Season who is contacted by a serial killer who picks him to help build a legacy of death via a series of phone interviews about the murders as they're kind of happening. This serial killer likes the way Kurt Russell writes, so he is the only person that, that he's prepared to talk to. That is, until Kurt's girlfriend, played by Meryl Hemingway, so great cast, picks up the phone one day and the movie goes in a darker direction. It is not perfect, but it is pacey, entertaining. There's some nasty stuff here that makes it feel semi-70s. So 
the mean season if you're stuck for something to watch on a sunday afternoon it's that kind of film i recommend it the mean season dan have you seen the mean season i have not yeah well i'd recommend it to you and jen I there think it's go. one that you'd uh, you both enjoy. <laughs> I'll what, check it out. What's next from you? I got a copy of Resurrection, starring Christopher Lambert. Oh. Uh, from nineteen ninety nine, directed by Russell Malkahi? Malaki? Mal- Mal- yeah. Anyway, it's from Vinegar Syndrome. It's amazing. I'm going to praise my review of it by referring to a little bit on the extras, where Russell, the director, is being interviewed, like looking back on it. And they're like, why do you think it went straight to video in, in America? Like, what was that about? Because it was cinematic in a bunch of other countries. And and actually, Jonas Gavetz, who, who directed Hazard, that we talked about on the live, who who was on the live uh, episode we did last, last time, or oh, two times ago now, I guess, said to me that he remembered seeing it in the cinema as a child, this fucking film. But it didn't get a cinematic release in the States. So it's one of these Canadian movies where it pretends that Montreal is chicago or something and or i think toronto since toronto is chicago and when he's interviewed about it and asked why it didn't get a wider release he says oh you know i, I wonder if it was I, I think it's maybe that the producers just didn't like the idea of making money and all i could think was no maybe it's the fact that every time there's a dead fucking body you show their cock and balls russell <laughs> <laughs> like it's the most it's the, like every time there's a decision to be made in the making of this film which is a it is a post seven seven-esque serial killer thriller that does its own thing like it it obviously got made off the back of seven and it's full of that like fucking wonky distortion lens like Mm -hmm. crazy Mm close-up stuff and all the like nine inch nails music video bullshit that was going on around that time yeah but but it is very much its own movie like it, it exists separately from all of that as well like you can see both events happening in the film but the film itself is fucking crazy like every time you think it's going to shy away from something it super fucking doesn't there's some stuff that happens at the end that i'm not going to spoil because i don't want to spoil this movie it is a bananas film but at the beginning there's that bit i don't know did you play heavy rain sam i didn't i i know the game okay yeah okay so there's there's a bit in heavy rain where you're sort of like walking around a party looking for your child and your child gets abducted and you're following some balloons and it's not your kid and it's like oh where's my child so that plus the bit in pet cemetery where gage walks out in front of the truck and the dad's running and he can't quite make it and then you just see the shoe like turning in the street so there's christopher lambert's character who's like a take no bullshit homicide detective with a dark past his dark past is that he fucking totally let his kid get hit by a car and there's a bit where the kid's just fucking trundling around on a tricycle and you see the kid like just wandering into a main street and you see lambert being like no and starting to run to like stop his child from getting into the road because he's like you know he knows something bad's gonna happen and the kid's getting closer to the road and lambert's running and the kid's tricycling and lambert's getting closer but he's not gonna make he's not gonna fucking make it we all know he's not gonna make it and there's the car and it's coming and we all know that it's gonna cut away just before the car hits and it's gonna show lambert's face and he's gonna be like no we're gonna see like this whole scene play out in the pain on lambert's it doesn't do that we fucking see that kid go right under the wheels <laughs> <laughs> and that is a microcosm of this whole film every time anything could happen and they might shy away they do not shy away you see every dead body's genitals you see every dead child it is astonishing wow and actually that's interesting you say that because one element of the mean season like while i was watching it it really felt like 
this was a massive influence on Seven. It goes in kind of different directions, but there are key moments where it really feels like a kind of TV movie version of Seven, if that makes sense. So that's another reason to recommend it and it would work in a double bill with um, with your recommendation as well in a weird Seven way. Um, excellent. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely check that one out. Fantastic. For me, I am actually finally going to talk about a proper masterpiece. My first one of this episode, Alex Cox's Sublime Satire of America, Walker. Now, this was actually a first time watch for me, believe it or not, Dan. It's Alex Cox's favourite of his own films, above even Repo Man, even though it totally killed his studio career. And I can absolutely see why it is perfect from start to finish, centred around Ed Harris's transcendent title performance as William Walker, a real-life American mercenary who actually became president of Nicaragua, I'll say no more than that, other than to mention that it feels like a weird influence on There Will Be Blood, uh, and it feels super modern and prescient of the politics of, of what's been going on in America in recent years. It is a perfect, perfect movie. Walker, I recommend it. It's on Criterion. There's a Criterion Blu-ray in the States, and just a wonderful, wonderful movie. Dan, are you a Walker fan? I don't think I've ever seen Walker. Oh, it's fuck. You will love it. It is almost like it's made for your tastes and interests. You you will absolutely love it. Incredible, incredible film. So yeah, Walker. Nice. All right, Dan, do you have any more for us? Yeah, I do. It's a very different kind of film. Oh. It's from 2013. It's directed by Josephine Decker. There's a Blu-ray out from Oscilloscope. It's a double build with Thou Was thou wast mild and lovely which i've not watched yet Uh, it's called butter on the latch and it's a very weird little sort of quasi horror film about a a young woman who goes to a retreat at a balkan folk festival in the states it feels very upstate new york and who reconnects with a childhood friend while she's there. She's doing it off the back of losing a friend in some rather unpleasant circumstances, which is sort of played out through her experience on the phone, talking to her friend as she loses her at the beginning of the movie. Um, and she reconnects with a friend. They get very close. Then their friendship is is stressed by her getting involved with a guy at the festival that her friend disapproves of. There's a bunch of folk stories being told throughout the film, and our protagonist's experience starts to she starts to be unable to differentiate between things she's actually experiencing and things that may be a representation of the folk stories that she's being told it's a very dreamy movie it's very artsy uh, so it's obviously not going to be for everyone but i really really enjoyed it there's something very nice and like lightly trippy and enveloping about it and i think you sam would really enjoy it excellent i will definitely check that out we've uh there's some good recommendations for me this this uh, fortnight and last time as well. So I'm going to miss you, Dan, when you're gone. But to talk more about that, let's go into extra features, extra features, extra, extra features. features. Now, yes, this this uh, fortnight's extra features does contain a, a, a rather sad announcement. Dan Martin, co-host of this podcast for five years, is going to be leaving the podcast um 
Dan forever because I'm dead now. Yeah, Dan, I, I've I am a ghost. That's the twist. <laughs> it's like the fucking sixth element. Uh, Hang on. Oh my god, <laughs> it's just been me talking to myself this whole time, and I was I'm, Donnie Wahlberg <laughs> killed me, and I'm not recording into a, a, a recording device. I'm recording into a potato. No, I'm in a field. I'm dead too. All right, enough nonsense because. There's going to be some worried arrowheads out there who think that you're leaving the podcast forever. No, I'm not. You're not. I'm not actually leaving the podcast. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take. And this. If this may not even happen, you'll just have to wait until next time to find out. I think there's a good chance I'm not able to record for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Next couple of episodes. So for the next four weeks, I guess. Yeah. My my film life has just gotten a little too full, and I don't feel that I could necessarily give the podcast the attention that it deserves. And I know that Sam can carry the torch for me just as I did for him uh, when he was unable to exactly. join us for a little while yeah. a few years back. Yeah. So like, don't don't shed a tear, dear listener. I will be back. I think. Why the fuck would anyone cry? I'm certainly welling up. <sighs> um, okay, all right. Well, well, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be back. I may not even be gone. Maybe I'm here next week in some form or in normal form. Exactly. Um, yeah, we we thought but, about but, we thought about recording like different options for me to drop into the edit depending on what happens, but that seems like a lot of fuss and bother when we can just say Yeah, we'll just do this yeah. and then like well let's see how it plans out plays out. Yeah, exactly. I may be on my own next time. I may have some guests next time. I may, who knows, who knows, but Maybe they will guess will just be me doing a voice. Exactly. Maybe things will be unchanged, but whatever happens, there will be an episode next time. I'm not sure what we're going to do because it'll all be dependent on whether Dan's going to be involved or not, because I don't want to cover a film that he would love to talk about. So anyway, that's all admin. All you need to know, precious Arrowhead, is things are either going to change or they're not going to change. And even if they do change... Great dichotomy. <laughs> exactly. Even if they do change, they are going to go back to normal again after a couple of episodes. So, um, right. Well, if there's nothing else from you, Dan, we can do our social media very quickly. Sam Ashurst is my name and my handle on Twitter. Sam Ashurst 23 is on Instagram. Dan, how can people follow you? My name is 13fingerfx on my birth certificate is also <laughs> my handle on instagram sure is uh, and twitter yeah and you can follow me there and if i am not on the podcast then you can bet your bottom dollar that i will probably tweet a bit about it if i remember and that's my promise to you yeah look whatever happens dan is going to be on the podcast in some form like, even if he's too busy to do a full episode, I'm going to make him... just Sam doing an impression. ...at gunpoint record a brief voice message. So there will be some Dan next time. But yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Enough rambling. Dan, you will be very much missed if this is the last time we hear from you for a bit. Every single arrowhead loves you, as do I. But we can't wait for you to be back. And until then, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional next time not me i'm out fuckers <laughs> bye <laughs> bye <laughs>